Good morning, Indianapolis, and thank you for tuning in to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC. I am your host, Ebony Marie Chappelle. I am so happy to be with you this morning. Happy Black History Month again. Um, just so excited to be in the studio with you, and we have a action-packed show planned for you. First, I want to give a couple of shout-outs from the weekend. There were a lot of events happening around the city, um, and I just want to shout some of them out. So first off, I want to give a big shout out to the National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day that was held yesterday at Watkins Park. It was incredible. Um, I was blessed to be the host of that event. And we just had so many different people come out, people that are survivors of HIV and AIDS and still living and thriving, as well as different service providers like Dr. Virginia Kane that came to give us some really incredible information. So I want to give a shout out to them. Also to meet the artists. They had their opening gala last night at the Central Library. Our own Karen Vaughn was one of the hosts of the evening, along with Steve Jefferson from WTHR. And it was just a beautiful evening of black art and culture and celebration. Also, I want to give a shout out to um, Phoenix Rising Dance Company for the Nina Simone show um, that was this weekend as well. I got a chance to check that out last night. And it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. Um, also, True Dialogue that uh, was put on by True Colors, um, led by Brandon Randall. That was an incredible event as well. We want to give them a shout out. And um, last but certainly not least, I want to take some time just to honor the lives of four young people who were lost um, last week during that horrific quadruple homicide on the northeast side. Marcel Willis, who was 20 years old, Braxton Ford, who was 21, Kamari Hunt, who was 21, and Jalen Roberts, that was 19. Um, our community is in mourning, and I am so grateful for organizations like CAFE, which is Community Alliance of the Far East Side. Um, you can reach out to them at 317-890-3288. They have some resources available for you all. Um that are on that side of town, but really anybody that needs some some help and some compassion right now. They're also going to be holding group therapy today at 2.30 p.m., and that address is 8902 East 38th Street. They're going to have a se session on that next week as well. So um, be sure to take care of your mental health, and grief is real. So we really are grateful for an opportunity to uh, come together and work on that. So we're going to jump right into today's show. As always, the show is called Open Lines for a reason. The phone lines are open. That phone number is 317-239-1067. Once again, that is 317-239-1067. So if you have a question, a comment, you want to jump in on a convo, please give us a call. We're going to get started off with uh, the Indiana Commission for the Social Status of Black Male. I have with me in the studio Mr. Kenneth Allen who is the chair, vice chair. of? Chair. The, you are the chair of the commission? Mm -hmm. Okay, get me together. Let's get it right. So he's the chair of the Indiana Commission for the Social Status of Black Males. Kenny, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing wonderful, Ebony. Always a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. And actually, I'm going to have you move to this mic right here because it sounds like we got a little bit of technical difficulties. Is this better? That is much better. We can hear you now. Good, good. <laughs> good morning. Thank you so much, for Ebony, for having us. It's always a pleasure to be with you today. Of course, appreciate that. So give us a little bit of background on the commission and what it is that you all do here in the community. Yes, the Indiana Commission on the Social Status of Black Males was started um, 1993 uh, to basically identify policy and legislative recommendations for African-American males in five areas, uh, health, 
education, criminal justice, social factors, and employment. And so what we tipped, what we aim to do on a yearly basis is recommend policy recommendations and legislative reg- recommendations to both the Indiana General Assembly as well as the governor's office as well as our local commissions on what they can do that's in the best interest of African-American males across the state. Excellent, excellent work that you all are doing. And I understand um, you have a few events that you do throughout the year. You do a um, a conference Absolutely. every year down at the State House. Actually, that's at the Government Center. Mm-hmm. But coming up soon is Black Males Day at the State House. So tell us all about that. Absolutely. We're so excited. This year, we're planning to host our fifth annual uh, Young Black Males Matter Day. And this event is extremely important to the commission. Um, My prior work, I used to work for the Indiana House of Representatives uh, running the PAGE program. For those that are not familiar with the PAGE program, it's an opportunity for Indiana students to come down all across the state to basically serve as an assistant to their legislator for the day. And what I saw when I was uh, running that program was we didn't get a lot of African-American youth that came down to Mm. take advantage of it, and particularly African-American males. And so what I thought was that our African-American males were missing out on a great opportunity to learn about the legislative process, how a bill becomes a law, and how to advocate for things that are important to them. And so we started this initiative with that thought in mind. And so now we're preparing for our fifth annual, what we call Young Black Males Matter Day. Uh, People say, "Why, why is it important? to have a Young Black Males Matter Day where your Greek organizations have a day, your veterans have a day, every association affiliation uh, spends time at the state capitol uh, during the legislative session to highlight and honor their work and with so many things that our young black males are facing uh, throughout the community, we thought it not robbery to highlight and uplift them and not only just highlight and empower them but give them opportunity to learn about the legislative process, uh, how a bill becomes a law, get an opportunity to meet their legislators, to talk one-on-one with people that are making laws every day that impact them if not immediately over the next course of their life and so not only do they get an opportunity to interact with legislators they get to take a tour of the state capitol uh, we provide free breakfast. Let me say that again. Free breakfast. We love free. We love <laughs> we provide free. free lunch yes. and a free T-shirt. And the total event is free. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> all you have to do is register uh, Eventbrite at Young Black Males Matter Day. But this is so important because not only are all these things free, because this is a learning opportunity, uh, African-American males that come down and participate uh, and it's targeted towards middle school and high school. They get an opportunity to be excused from school because this is not uh, this is a this is not a field trip. This is well, it is a field trip, but it's a learning field trip, and yeah. it's a great educational experience. Absolutely. Again, that number is three one seven two three nine one zero six seven three one seven two three nine one zero six seven. If you uh, want to jump in on this conversation, so when you mentioned why is it so important to have a Black Young Black Males Day at the State House. I just immediately went to some of the different legislation that's come up during this session. There was a bill that was brought up that has gotten a lot of attention that it was talking about um, trying 12-year-olds, like putting 12-year-olds in adult jail. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us understand that that is a horrible idea. Horrible, horrible idea. Um, but these are the type of things that are happening Not only that, but just there are so many different decisions that are being made down there. And if you've never had an opportunity to interact in that space and to understand how all of that works and how you can also have power in that space, 
you can feel disempowered on the back end. Absolutely. I had an opportunity to uh, sit in and listen to the young people yesterday at True Dialogue and shout out to Brandon Randall and Arnita Scruggs for all the work that they're doing. And yeah. they did to put that together for the young people and the young people. That question was posed. You know, is this is this cool? Should, should we be passing along like that? And of course, all of them answered uh, with the correct answer. No, it, it's not cool. It, it would be very, very uh, rough for children of color. But then I think about the founder of the commission, uh, State Representative Vernon G. Smith, who authored the legislation uh, in 1993. They got bipartisan support from both uh, Republicans and Democrats to create the commission. Mm-hmm. He said he had not walked into the Indiana State House until he was elected at 26 wow. years of age uh, to be an, uh, a state representative. And that's the case with so many of our African American youth. Mm-hmm. They don't get an opportunity to learn about the process so they can intervene and learn and educate and participate because as a citizen, uh, we all uh, own the state house. That, that yep. is our building. It's the people's it's a, house. It's the people's house. Yes. And so most people, if you don't know that, you don't know that you can play a very active role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this bill has came up before. Uh, we've been uh, very, very instrumental in making sure that it didn't pass. And so we're yeah. still praying uh, that it does not get signed into sure. law uh, this year. But we have to uh, realize and educate ourselves about the process so that we can participate. If we don't educate yep. ourselves. And we had a caller. Caller, please call us back. 317-239-1067. We want to make sure that we get your comments in. Once again, 317-239-1067. But, but just yeah. to touch on that law piece, uh, if you look at the research, uh, those that uh, do work with the brain, you realize that the brain is not fully developed until you're 24, 25 years of age. Yeah. And so to penalize a young person uh, at 12 and 13 for decisions mm-hmm. they're making where their brain is not fully functional is absolutely ludicrous. It is. It's barbaric even to, mm-hmm. to think that this is the type of thing that we would uh, even consider as a society um, another thing that I wanted to um, definitely highlight. Okay, and we have a caller. All right, caller, what is your name and your comment? Uh, my name is Andrea, and I would like to comment on the bill, Senate Bill 449, that y'all were just discussing. Uh huh. Um, I was one of the individuals who happened to go there and speak the day that the bill was being heard in front of the city committee. Um, Glick was apprehensive about moving it forward, but of course, Michael Young and a couple and Cook they moved it forward. It did pass its third round, so now it's what it is in the house. So it did pass. So right now in Indiana, twelve years old can be sentenced to an adult prison at twelve years old for murder only. But the bill is enforcing that any violent crime or any crime that the prosecutor deems appropriate at 12 years old, they can be waived. In what right mind can we say it's okay to let a 12-year-old go to a prison full of adults who is not yet fully developed? They had judges speak, the judges from the juvenile court was against this bill but i just don't know where we're at today and it's it's saddening it's really really saddening it is andrea thank you so much for your comment yeah it it is extremely saddening to think that um this is where we're at as a society like this is insane um i wanted to have you highlight some of the things that the um commission is doing 
to prevent um, or to kind of interrupt violent crime because that was one of the things that just came up. Absolutely, absolutely. So the commission uh, has local commissions in most major cities across the state of Indiana. So we have an active commission in Gary, Indiana, Michigan City, Indiana, Fort Bend, uh, I'm sorry, not Fort Bend, Fort Wayne, Indiana, South Bend, Indiana, and Evansville. And uh, as most people know, we've been uh, actively trying to reactivate the commission in Indianapolis. And so as a commission outside of our Young Black Males Matter Day, <clears throat> Excuse me, our Young Black Males Matter Day, our annual conference and our Black Barbershop Health Initiative. Those are the only programs we do as a commission. So we rely heavily on our local commissions who actually do have the capacity to do program. One of the things we have done historically as a commission is really have what we call community conversations or town hall forums where we actually get an opportunity to hear from the people, hear from the young people, what we as an organization or or as a body need to be advocating for and lobbying for. And so those have proven to be very effective. Uh, that's why I really uh, enjoy my time at the True Dialogue, because you get an opportunity to hear directly from uh, the people who these policies and laws will impact, uh, if not immediately, uh, in the years to come. Absolutely. And we have another caller. Caller, what's your name and your comment? Uh, yeah, this is just Larry. I, oh, I this is Larry Vine. Hello. Larry Vine. Yes. Yep. All right. Uh, the State House is a great platform for uh, actors and actresses to go over there and act out skits because it is free speech over there. They allow just about anything over there because that's where these laws are coming from. So I think more and more people that are being affected by the laws, if they would just show up. And uh, there's there's not a time that uh, deemed appropriate, but they can show up at any time that the uh, legislature is in session and go in front of the two windows at the House and at the Senate and act out skits because it's been done uh, uh, many a time. So we need to take more uh, participation. But to deal with our, our, our kids, they're being, uh, I mean, I could say a lot of things, but I won't say it, but I've just emphasized that the State House is the people's house and we should be over there more because we complain about stuff that comes from there, that direction. Those legislatures, they uh, they recognize when there's a crowd there in resistance of a bill. And I think our protest, because I was down there on this one bill, I think that helped because when it gets to the House, I think it's going to be tempered even more. So uh, even though you, it gets out of a committee in the Senate, uh, that doesn't mean necessarily that much because there's all kind of ch chances for it to be savaged and amended in the House. So don't give up on that. All right. I never Thank thought you. I would see the day where I agree with everything Larry said. Thank you so much for your call, and I agree with you, sir. We yeah. definitely have a good opportunity every day that our legislators in session, if your schedule allows to be down there, to advocate for those things that you are in support of, and then let the legislators know the things that you do not support. And even if you can't physically make it, we live in a day and uh, world where there's so many other ways that you can yes, advocate. You can, you can write, email, write call, letters, call, all of that. Yeah. Uh, whatever you need to do. But I, that's why I really like the event that we do. It gives an opportunity for particularly African American males, which uh, they are on the agenda. When you have a law that will impact them immediately Immediately, mm -hmm. uh, some of them they have an opportunity to first learn and educate themselves, and then learn the other things that may potentially affect them. I tell people all the time: you may not want to get in politics or be politically active, but you can't avoid politics from the time you now you you're cannot. born mm -hmm. uh, you're, to the time you die. You're affected by politics. If I sh as I've shared with you before, when you're born in the state of Indiana, you're not officially born into the county commissioner or health commissioner 
and says, hey, you are actually born, which is usually an elected or appointed official. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, you're not officially dead until the coroner signs off on your actual uh, death certificate. So everything in between is politics. So you have to get involved. And so we're so excited about the fifth annual Young Black Males Matter Day happening on February the 25th, 9.30 to 2.30 at the state capitol. For those of you not familiar, that's 200 West Washington Street. And again, this event is free uh, for our middle school and high school African-American males. Awesome. And we will have that link on our website. Kenny, thank you so much for being on the air. Absolutely. Thank you yes. for having us. Absolutely. And you all stay tuned. We got much more show coming up. We are going to be talking with um, a micro learning center that is opening in 46218, as well as the Indiana Minority Health Coalition. Stay tuned. You are listening to Open Lines with Ebony Marie Chappelle right here on 106.7 WTLC. Good morning and welcome back to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC. I'm your host, Ebony Marie Chappelle. I want to say thank you to our last guest, Kenneth Allen, who is the chair of the Indiana Commission for the Social Status of Black Males. Um, We will have more information on our website about their community event that is coming up. But I want to tell you about some other cool things that are going on. So we know that Valentine's Day is this week, and there are so many different things going on that the station is getting you ready for. So the Valentine's uh, Soul Jam is happening and you can listen to Jerry Wade, the Lover Man, all week at 10 p.m. for your chance to win tickets to the Valentine's Soul Jam, featuring Russell Tompkins Jr. and the New Stylistic, New Stylistics, Sonny Bivens, Manhattan's, The Delphonics, and Blue Magic this Saturday, February 15th at the Marat Theater at Old National Center. And tickets are on sale now at the box office and Ticketmaster.com. Also, we are giving you tickets to go and see The Photograph, which is a new movie starring Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield. But we are going to have a special VIP secret screening happening on Wednesday, February the 12th. So listen all weekend for your chance to win a a pair of passes to that screening. It is going to be an awesome movie. I can't wait. Um, As always, this show is called Open Lines for a reason. The phone number is 317-239-1067. If you want to jump into the conversation and we have a caller, I'll go ahead and take your call and your comment. Caller, what is your name and your comment? Uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey? Okay, Jeffrey, what is your comment? Yeah, I'll just like to, uh, I guess I don't have a comment. I guess I only have a question. Okay. Uh, like some of the some of the information you guys are putting out is very helpful, but I was just wondering, do you guys like recommend or know any like type of uh, apps or something that someone could to download or join to be able to get information fed to them? Because a lot of times, a lot of things happen because of lack of lack of knowledge. There's any way that uh, like information can be automatically sent out or something. Yep, absolutely. So, Jeffrey, yep, Jeffrey, thank you so much for your comments. So he was asking about some sort of app or something that puts out information. So one thing that I will tell you is that 106.7 WTLC, we do have an app um, that you can download and we regularly place information on our website as well. So you can always check that out. Um, Another one in terms of resources in the community that I just know of is 211. Um, That's a website that you can um, go to on your phone tablet, computer, et cetera, and have access to 
um, different resources. We have another guest with us in the studio. Um, I'm here with Ms. Carla Baxter, who is the executive director of the Cheney Micro Learning Center, and Pastor Jerry. Pastor Jerry, what is your um, last name? Please remind me. Davis. <laughs> Davis. Thank yeah. you so much, Pastor Jerry Davis. And they are um, running the Cheney Micro Learning Center. So thank you, Austin, for being here this morning. How are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? Great. Good morning. Good absolutely. Morning. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit, Miss um, Carla, we'll go ahead and get started with you because I know that this is a part of your family legacy. Yes. We had a chance to talk last Sunday when I hopped off the air. But tell me, what is the Cheney Micro Learning Center and where did this concept come from? The Cheney Micro Learning Center is the first pilot micro learning center a vision of pastor jerry davis Mm -hmm. pastor of crossroads ame church he had a vision and he shared that with me and i i saw it immediately it was taking a house in a community and renovating that house and uh, making it a resource for that community for residents in the community and it just so happened that my dad carlton s cheney who um, founded a singing group of young people, predominantly from Martindale Brightwood, that uh, would sing every Sunday, rehearse every Saturday. Um, This, my dad, Carlton Cheney, um, came from Georgia, um, had a sixth grade education, but uh, managed to work work his way up um, and owned about 23 houses. And the Micro Learning Center is one of those 23 homes um, that has been converted to a resource center for residents in the Martindale Brightwood area. Awesome. So, Pastor Jerry, this is your vision um, for this Micro Learning Center. So, what um, what are your thoughts about what it could provide to the community, especially a community like 46218, who we definitely need to invest in? Absolutely. The whole premise behind the Micro Learning Center is bringing resources to the people so that they do not have to go to the resources. We we are primarily concerned with is literacy rates for third graders because we know that that is something that helps to inform how the school-to-prison pipeline actually works. Absolutely. And so we are focused on services, primarily aimed at third graders' literacy programs, but on the other end of that, we want to deal with collateral consequences of the school-to-prison pipeline as well. So we are excited uh, that since the founding of the Cheney Micro Learning Center that we have been able to provide both services around literacy as well as services around expungements. Excellent, excellent. So I know that those two programs you just mentioned um, have already gone on at the center, but you all have a more a grand opening or something more robust that's going to happen soon. Ms. Carla, tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, just to um, backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in May of 2019, Alpha Mu Omega Chapter um, did a facelift. They came in and they wanted to make the micro learning center functional. Then there was an opening, an um, open house for potential funders so that they could learn about the micro learning center. And then October 12, 2019, we held a rising up in Martindale Brightwood. And that was to officially announce the micro learning center to the residents of 46218, bringing resources in 
including, you know, educational resources like what Pastor J.D. um, mentioned, we're also focused on bringing in other things. And we know that 2020 is a a very important year. Absolutely. It's the census. Uh Uh-huh. And I was going to come to that. Yes, it's the census. Um, And so we are partnering with Delta, Delta Sigma Theta. We are a resource. We are a timeshare, multifunctional, multi-purpose space. So uh, one of our board members is a member of Delta Sigma Theta. And so they are doing something that's very unique, but it's to serve the residents of the community. There have been other organizations as well who have used the center. Um, Trinity CME Church, um, uh, Reverend Natalie McClendon OB, their senior women's senior ministry has met there. Um, they have done adult computer classes, basic computer classes um, at the at the uh, micro learning center. And the one that um, I'm really excited about that's going to take place um, in March is called On the Porch. And this is a program where young mothers who have expressed challenges in being um, a young mother um, will be able to come into the space and have hands-on interaction in a home, quote-unquote, setting Mm -hmm. to learn how to be an effective mother. Awesome. And we have a caller. We're going to go ahead and take their comment. Caller, what's your name and your comment? I would just like to know where is this center located that they're talking about on the radio? Absolutely. And what's your name? I'd rather not say. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your call. Yes, I wanted to get to that um, because I know that there are some different transitional things that are happening right now with the center. But where is it located and how can people take advantage of the resources? The Cheney Micro Learning Center is located at 2415 Dr. Andrew J. Brown Avenue, 46205. Uh, For more information, you can call 317-426-1167. Uh, you can also email us at info at ecmlc.org. Awesome, awesome. And um, you mentioned about the census earlier. So on Tuesday, February the 18th, there's going to be a town hall meeting and informational for the 2020 census happening from 6 to 7.30 at the Cheney Micro Learning Center. Um from both of you, um, coming from different, you know, aspects of the community, why is it so, so important that people get engaged and involved? And Pastor Jerry, I'm going to come to you first. Um, from the faith perspective, why do you think it's so important that people get involved and care about the census and let their let their voice be counted? From a faith perspective and also considering this is Black History Month, um, at Crossroads Amy Church, our theme for Black History Month is Black to the Drawing Board. Mm. And when we consider that theme, we are looking at the reality that oftentimes the good that has to come out of our community is often undercounted. And they tell us that black and brown children between the ages of zero and four years old are undercounted at high rates within the census. And as a man of faith and as a, as a pastor, I am particularly concerned when we think about even the birth narrative of Jesus Mm-hmm. Uh, that when he was born in Bethlehem, uh, what brought uh, his mother Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem was actually the census throughout the Roman Empire. Mm. And and if that had not occurred, uh, 
theologically, I question what would have brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to the place where he was prophesied uh, to be buried. But the, the broader point is once they got there during the census, would Jesus as an infant been counted in the census of the Roman Empire? Yeah. And even today in the 21st century, I'm, I'm having to ask myself, are our kids being counted yeah. uh, so that our communities can get the resources that they need and so that we can see the resources that our children are and can be as they grow up? Absolutely. Ms. Carla, I want to have you share your perspective on why it's so important that people get involved in the census and find out, you know, all of this important information. The informational session on February 18th is to help individuals, especially in 46218. And we're happy that Radio One is also partnering in this to provide information so that if there's there are any apprehensions of completing the form, that this informational session will eliminate that. Because how are you going to get the educational resources, the health resources, the safety resources, mm -hmm. if we are not counted in our communities? And especially in 46218, which is a food desert, is considered to be undervalued, mm -hmm. underserved. And then you have low response rates on the census. So it's so important that they understand the why it's important to complete the form. The information is going to be protected. But to get what we need, to get what the residents need in 46218, to live in a thriving community, mm -hmm. that's why it's important. Absolutely. And we have another caller. Caller, what is your name and your comment? My name is Andy Vance. Andy Vance. All right. What is your question or comment for us? Andy, Andy Vance, V-A-N-C-E. Got you, sir. Andy Vance. Yeah, I yes. was calling. Uh, they were talking about uh, the Brightwood area, the Brightwood neighborhood. Yes, sir. You know, from 16th Street all the way back to uh, Roosevelt, almost back to Roosevelt. The old white folks done tore all them old houses down there, run all them black folks out of there. I, I don't post the road back out there. And it's raining, so I can't nobody move in there but them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Gentrification. That's what's happening yeah, right you now. You know what? Yeah. See, the thing of it is, now these days, you know, back in the day when I was a kid, my, my daddy was the head of the house. You know what I'm saying? My yeah. daddy did as my mama, t my, my mama did as my mama, as my, my daddy told us to do. But these days, these men, black males, ain't no, I don't have a home. You know what I'm saying? Because the women, they ain't gonna let, they won't put them on the lease. And that put, they, 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 when they go get a party, they always go before he goes and keep him off the lease. That's, I guess, I'm just saying this now. I guess she want to kick around and mess around, and then she can't, and he can't do nothing about it. You know what I'm saying? So there's a big thing going on in 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 Apple now here the more. You know, we have these young kids, these young girls out here walking around with tight pants trying to show their booty, and they ain't right. old enough to even do well, nothing you know like what? that. Andy, Andy, thank you so much for your, your call and your comment. Um, I do think that there are a, a lot of things that could be addressed there. Um, one with the gentrification piece, because we know that that has changed the landscape of so many of our communities here in the city. Um, but we are grateful that in Martindale Brightwood, like you mentioned earlier, Miss Carla, with the Rise Up event, people are rising up. People care about their communities and trying to take back ownership of it from systematic oppression and also from the oppression that we introduce to ourselves. So 
um, our time is winding up a little bit, but I want you both to just leave us with some final thoughts about Cheney Micro Learning Center and remind people about the town hall meeting happening on February the 18th. Okay. Well, on today at four o'clock, there is going to be a train the trainer of sorts. Okay. There will be a trainer four o'clock to provide a lot of information. It, it is equipping those who are interested in making a difference in 46218 to get information about the um, upcoming census so that each one can reach one. February 18th, the informational. And if you come today, you could have another informational because it's going to take more than one touch yep. to get the people comfortable in completing the form. And then on April 1st, will be a cafe, a census cafe, where there'll be laptops and um, iPads there for people mm -hmm. to come to the Micro Learning Center to complete the census. So those are my final words. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Jerry. We'd just like to uh, promote the Indianapolis Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta, who is partnering with us in this uh, census effort, and to remind of the community that the Micro Learning Center effort is truly a community effort. We aim to partner with existing uh, organizations and resources in the community. So as a closing word, would we'll just remind us uh, that the Micro Learning Center concept is one that is intended to offer time-shared multi-campus sites for existing organizations in the community. Awesome. I am so happy that you all were able to come on the show, and I'm so grateful for what it is you're doing in the community. And how unifying is this? We got pastors, AKAs, Deltas, all these other service organizations. Iotas, too. Yes, my big brother, Jared. Alphas. Yeah, we got Alphas. I'm sorry, you're an Alpha, too? Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so we got everybody, anybody working together to help impact the community. So that is incredible. But thank you all so much for being on the show. You all stay tuned. We got much more show coming up. You're listening to Open Lines with Ebony Marie Chappelle right here on 106.7 WTLC. Welcome back. Welcome back to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC. We've had a fantastic show so far. I want to remind you guys, um, this is Valentine's Day weekend uh, week coming up. So be sure to get your, your tickets to see our new morning man, Ricky Smiley, live. He is coming to Indy on Friday, February 14th at the Old National Center for the Valentine's Day Laugh-A-Thon with Ricky Smiley, Michael Collier, Melanie Camacho, and Red Grant. More info and tickets can be found on WTLCFM.com. I want to remind you guys, the show is called Open Lines for a reason. So if you have a call, a question, or a comment, um, give us a ring at 317-239-1067. Um, we've had some great guests this morning, and we're going to keep – um, that energy going. We're going to keep that same energy with the Indiana Minority Health Coalition. So I am here. Yes, I'm here with Tony Gillespie and Erica Pedrosa from the Indiana Minority Health Coalition. So I want to jump right into it. Um, Tony, t give us some background on what the coalition does and what you provide for the community and talk right into the mic. There you go. <laughs> Um, Indiana Minority Health Coalition, uh, we are a statewide agency. We have 21 um, coalitions and affiliates around the state that we fund specifically to address chronic health conditions and health disparities that disproportionately affect minority communities. Um, and in, in that, um, when you look at health conditions, chronic health conditions and disparate conditions, um, minorities top the list in terms of disproportionate impact. Yeah. Um, 
and so the the numbers speak for themselves. We're um, we're represented um, at greater numbers across chronic health conditions, but we are less of the state's population. Yeah, yeah, which is um, unfortunate when you think about it. I mean, and that's a trend that follows across the country is people of color and also poor people being disproportionately affected by all types of health disparities. Erica, I understand that you're a public policy consultant, so bring us in a little bit into what the commission specifically does when it comes to informing and influencing public policy around health issues. Absolutely. So as a public policy associate, um, we do a lot of work on researching um, legislation that is going to be presented at the State House. So right now we are in session. So there are times where we're down at the State House um, meeting with legislators, talking about specific pieces of legislation or things that we would like to see happen in the legislature maybe in next year. Or, um, and also we do a lot of um, community education and we hold town halls. Um, and just anything really that involves advocacy work uh, and support for the for our coalition and the other coalitions around the state. Indeed, indeed. And Tony, you are the director of public policy and engagement for the coalition. And um, I've been down with you guys at the state house, you know, uh, quite a few times. Right. Tell us about what was happening during this session when it comes to um, things that the coalition was advocating for at the state house. Absolutely. Um, there were several pieces of legislation um, that were um, designed to change some condition to improve it for um, all Hoosiers, but specifically um, minority communities. Um, one piece of legislation, uh, State Representative Robin Shackelford um, proposed to cap insulin costs for diabetics yes, at $100. Yes, uh -huh. um, very important as a Overweight diabetic, insulin costs have soared <laughs> yeah. um, just over the last couple of years. And in some instances, it's just unaffordable yep. for people. So, you know, that is a definite direct impact on minority health issues or just people living with diabetes, period. And then yeah. if you think about um, quality, quality care and lack of access in a very urban metropolitan setting like Indianapolis or, or some other major city, then compare that to a rural community mm -hmm. um and so um that piece of legislation would have been effective but um it was introduced and um blocked uh, so the conversation did not occur and so the legislation right now is not moving um another piece of important legislation and you know specifically in our target for this year is maternal health so there was a pregnancy accommodation pregnancy accommodation bill that spoke to improved work conditions for pregnant women, mm -hmm. which would have, you know, been across the trajectory all pregnant women to improve work conditions. And, you know, not um, not every woman has an office position. Um, there are women who work in factories. Yep, service um, workers. Service workers, yeah. uh, fast food. Uh -huh. And it was just a matter of improving conditions for them during pregnancy. Um, it made it out of committee but then when it got to the senate floor um it was turned into a study committee um, so uh, legislative talk it was gutted and then turned into something else that so no decisions were made and some of the concerns were it would you know disproportionately affect small businesses and then people wouldn't want to hire women um so they just have proposed to study the issue wow um, and where indiana 
stands in terms of maternal health, we are number three in the country for maternal death. Yeah, there was a statistic, um, well, actually, yeah, that was uh, reported in the recorder where they were comparing um, how our women do when it comes to maternal health to countries like Baghdad and Iraq and third world countries. And I'm just like, we are in the United States of America. We are in one of the largest cities in the country. And the fact that our infant mortality, um, infant and maternal mortality is this crazy is and i don't even yeah it's it's difficult to fathom that out yeah. of all of the states in the country we're number three yeah for for maternal death um and united states uh, out of all the developed countries we have a much higher mortality rate for for women um for, for we have a much higher maternal mortality rate than any other country and the other countries are not even close Mm. And so for the country with the most advanced and most expensive health care, um, we should be able to do better. We should um, be. And yeah. so, you know, the, the upside of this is that Indiana Minority Health Coalition, along with the coalitions around the country, along with the Indiana State Department of Health and FSSA and DCS, we're working collectively to begin to address and attack some of these issues. But the issues are huge and, mm-hmm. you know, wide sweeping. And it's going to take a number of solutions. And the most powerful or most effective way is to create effective laws that address those issues. For sure. So, you know, it it didn't work out um, the way that we had hoped. Uh, We're at the midpoint in the session where the bills from the Senate go to the House and Mm -hmm. vice versa. So we have another opportunity on that accommodation bill to address it on the uh, House side. So hopefully we can have some of that language restored and change the trajectory on it um there were um, some bills filed on implicit bias state representative vanessa summers um uh, a bill to require clinicians to receive new clinicians to um, be required to take implicit bias training because mm-hmm. bias is a huge part of our healthcare system and institutional racism and our health care has been racialized um yeah. and yeah, so it is that, a big issue. Yeah, yeah. That 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 that's a big big issue. And um, she also had legislation, Vanessa Summers' um, legislation on expanding Medicaid coverage for pregnant women from sixty mm-hmm. days to um, a year. Yeah, uh, because it's during that postpartum period that women die as well. And so the period mm-hmm. that you look at is prenatal, delivery, and postpartum up to a year. Yeah. Um, so her proposal is for Medicaid to cover that. And then to further address it, she launched um, a maternal health caucus. And so she and other legislators and community members will work together and address it. So it's going to require multiple solutions. For sure. I think one of the... Yeah, and Erica, we want to definitely have you jump in on this as well and share some of your thoughts um, on on how this whole situation can be addressed. Absolutely. So I think I'd like to add to the implicit bias legislation. Mm-hmm. It's really important that we affect that because when we look at some of the main factors um, that can be attributed to um, black women dying during pregnancy or during childbirth or immediately after, um, we realize that oftentimes um, it could be prevented. So that's the main thing. So as um, Tony was saying, we really need to focus on addressing this through legislation. Um, So some of the ways, um, the reasons why, like the preventable ways it could be prevented, um, oftentimes the death is from issues regarding access to health care or 
problems missed um, or identified too late and also warning signs not recognized. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times it has to do, like we've said, with implicit bias. Um, So I know we were going to probably talk about this soon, but I want to kind of bring up doulas. And that's how the role of a doula can help in situations like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, To really kind of be the support for the mom who's pregnant or during childbirth um, to kind of educate them on what they the mother needs to be saying they don't advocate for the mom but they can teach the mom how to advocate for herself and be that support which is incredibly important absolutely yeah and unfortunately we are out of time for this sunday but i need to have you guys back to dive in on this a little bit more absolutely we would love to yes just want to one more thing absolutely um february 25th we are hosting the state's first doula day at the state house and that's about advocacy and education and expanding and educating on the role of doulas. We've got great support from our legislator. There was legislation passed last year mm-hmm. to have Medicaid reimbursement for doula services. So, so we're excited about that. Anybody interested in the um, doula line of service or interested in becoming a doula, come on out. Spend some time with us at the State House. We're bringing in a great speaker. Um, awesome. And you can register, go online to www.imhc.org. Awesome. And, um, there's a colorful poster and you can register for Dooley Day. Great, great. So we will definitely and repost. We'd like to invite you too. I would love to be there. I will mark it on my calendar. So okay. we will repost that information okay. on our website as well. But Erica, Tony, thank you so much you, for being on the show and for the great work that you are doing in the community. I want to thank all of our guests this morning and thank each and every one of you that tuned in and called in with your thoughts. Um, as always, have a great Sunday and a positive you week, y'all. You're you. so welcome. You're so welcome. So stay tuned. We got Al Sharpen's Hour of Power coming up with uh, followed by the Weekend Girl, Brittany B. As always, have a great Sunday and a positive week. Peace.